Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. This is Talk Wrestling on TalkSport 2. Hello and welcome to the almighty talk wrestling. Okay, that's, I can't really call it that, can I? But I was just thinking Bobby Lashley. I was just thinking about using a wrestling nickname to describe us each week. And then the moment that came out of my mouth, I felt immediately bad about it. Uh, this is Talk Wrestling from TalkSport on your Fight Night feed. I'm Will Gavin, long tied TalkSport wrestlings are Alex McCarthy. And it's fair to say... And we've said this a few times recently, but it really does feel like the landscape of wrestling took a little bit of a uh, of a left turn this weekend with one of the best pay-per-views we've seen by any organization in a while. And one that, you know, particularly deserves attention because of the new arrivals. And of course, talking about AW All Out. So we're going to get into all of that. And we're going to get here from Ridge Holland, who I've liked his, you know, as he's come back into NXT. I've liked the way that they've used him, even if I'm terrified about the Vince McMahon era of NXT as we are now entering it. But without further ado, let's hear from the man who you want to hear from, who uh, did wonderful coverage of this pay-per-view over the weekend and barely slept. So I don't know how he's even still alive now. It is the almighty... Alex McCarthy. How are you, sir? Your, your descriptive words are leaning heavily on Almighty this week. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, maybe I'm just struggling a little bit today. But uh, I, yeah, I just, it, it feels like Almighty was the right one to go with and I'm sticking I mean, I'll take, I'll, t- I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, yes, it has been a very, very busy uh, past few days. No doubt about that. And I want to apologise for the loyal talk wrestling listeners that we haven't been able to get one out in the past couple of weeks. Schedules did not align. Um, just a, a, a sad part of being part of such a busy business, but alas, we have created the time uh, in uh, the fallout of all out. And I can't wait to get stuck. Ah, into the, that and also the all out fallout. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. And uh, <laughs> yeah, did Ridge Holland interview on Monday, very candid, you know, open to talking about the restructure that is apparently going on the rebranding in NXT. And of course, as I like to say, the three English boys and only Lorcan Stable. Uh, it's a pretty good chat. Um, so you've got a best of both worlds if you are one of those weird people on Twitter who can't like both. Well, this is the show for you because you can. 
Honestly, it's so astonishing to me. I saw some real, real vitriol being aimed at somebody, at, uh, you know, Daniel Bryan showing up, obviously, Bryan Danielson now, uh, and, and Adam Cole as well. And obviously what you're going to get is the people going, oh, well, look, it's AEW doing, it, it's, it's AEW just using old WWE. It's the only way they can get over, yada, yada, yada. And you just saw a lot of that. And then did you see that one guy who you were responding to who literally was going, I will never like AEW because I'm a loyal WWE fan and no loyal WWE fan will ever like AEW. And I'm just like, do you not think that there's a world where the two things can coexist and bring joy to us on different nights of the week and both have different types of talent and different types of wrestling and both be good? Is that not a world that these people live in it's astonishing to me i i mean i don't understand it i i obviously was high full of praise as many were for all out the pay-per-view and you know this one guy was like oh, i hope i hope WWE never use you again i was like well you know i've interviewed rich holland today so that's a that's not gonna <laughs> last i'm afraid brother brother but um you know there's been a couple others there was another one yesterday it took every part of me will to not dunk on this guy like it, uh, it's in my drafts. I'll send you the draft when we get off air. <laughs> I was, I was, I was going to annihilate this bloke. And then I thought, ah, oh, you know what? Like, it just doesn't help because again, he's not, it's not a sincere conversation. Is it? You know what I mean? Like this guy said something like, Oh, you know, you're always gl- um, glorifying and overselling what AEW do. Uh, you know, you've never got anything good to say with WWE. I was like, you, li- you, you quite literally must have never seen my Twitter account. I would say 90% of my run, are people saying I'm too positive about WWE? And then today I'm all of a sudden this, you know, AEW celebrator. But yeah, you know, it's just a good show that the whole wrestling world was kind of buzzing about. I don't know why there's a reason to get so upset about that. Pro wrestling is what I'm quote unquote loyal to, I guess. That's just what, you know, good, whatever's good in that genre. It doesn't matter who puts it out, right? You know, GCW doing a cool moment with John Moxley and Matt Cordona. Like, again, I'm not going to go, bye, you know, that's not AEW or WWE. Uh, that can't possibly be good. You can't operate like that. This guy who sent me this vitriol we're talking about actually had a, uh, and this is what I was going to give him the, the sugar Dunkerton. It was a, an image that said, stand up for WWE. Right? Yeah. Like, as if it was a movement a la, Black Lives Matter or something. As if WWE were being suppressed by the greatness of the all-out show. And then the hashtag was F, I'm not going to say it, obviously, F-A-E-W. And I thought, I can't actually begin to get inside your head. I can't physically understand. And, and look, I, I, you may have been the person that shared this, but I definitely saw it. And it's an American sports analogy um, that I saw out there, uh, shared by a few people after someone tweeted it, which absolutely got just banged the nail on the head for me on this front. And that is the fact that the if uh, you see an all-star being released from another team, or if you see an all-pro in NFL terms, or if you see, you know, uh, a player of the year in football terms being released from another team, are you just not going to sign them just because that team happens to be your rival? Like, no, is that really so... how human beings act? Or will you go, that's a top-tier talent? And, you know, I, not that I want to be very positive about AEW in general here. I, like, completely and absolutely, because it was a brilliant pay-per-view, and I loved how it came together and everything about it. 
I still do have those concerns I had a few months ago where I am slightly worried about, you know, some of the talent that they've created themselves, the Adam Pages. And okay, before I say create themselves, I know I'm going to get some digs from the indie fans to say, oh, don't forget about the indies or Ring of Honor. On a national, on an international national scale, sure. But taking guys who were big in the indies, like Orange Cassidy, like Adam Page, uh, like Silver, like guys like that who, and giving them a real, real opportunity. I, I do worry still slightly about those people not stepping up right into the main event picture now that we have Punk and Brian and Cole and we have the complete version of the Elite, plus we have Impact involved and there's everything else going on with that. It does, I still have those slight concerns, but I'm ready and willing to trust them and give them time to show me that they won't pull a WWE and that they won't make me regret the fact that they've gone on this big talent sponge. And, you know, I am excited to see just from moment one, seeing uh, Brian Danielson come out and kick the snot out of Matt Jackson, that as a singles match excites me on its own, let alone when you put them into pairings and when you do like that gets me hyped, even if I do want to make sure that it's not at the expense of any of their guys, as it were. Yeah, I understand. Let's get into that. You said at the top of the show, the landscape had changed. You've just referenced Brian and Cole there. For those unaware who are living under a pro wrestling rock, of course, those two guys have debuted in AEW now, and they are joining CM Punk in maybe what is the best month of recruitment in living memory you could argue, certainly for what the company has acquired and where they are. Did, did you I see mean, when, when Punk talked about the WCW acquiring of Hogan did. and all those I guys? Did. And he essentially I went, I think, I think this is bigger. Uh, I know people come after me for this, but I think this is a bigger deal. And I loved it. Uh, I think, yeah, <laughs> I think you could only really um, justify such a statement, I don't know, five, six years from now, right? But like, I, I understand what he's trying to say because you have to imagine as well the landscape's completely different to then to what it is now wwe has been the global powerhouse for years but when you talk about landscape changing that's the first thing that i want to get into you know when miro left malachi black left you know even sean spears i mean they're all released for starters and even Moxley, to be fair, and Jericho, guys who, who were able to get out of the company, didn't re-sign. All of them had like a bitter taste, right? It was kind of like, it could have been like this. It should have been like this. And I've come to somewhere where I feel like I can do that. With Daniel Bryan and Adam Cole, these are two people that had amazing spots in the biggest company in the world. Daniel Bryan just main evented WrestleMania 37. He has literal family in the company as we speak, working there, right? He's helping behind the scenes. He was able to craft stories on SmackDown. As far as an influence as a talent goes, Daniel Bryan had about as much as anybody could possibly wish for in WWE, either in ring or out. Adam Cole, pretty much his four years in NXT, he was able to obviously be of his best friends in Undisputed Era, you could argue that he helped catapult that brand to what it ultimately became. I, I had I had a question on that. Do you think he's the best NXT superstar of all time? I know it's only you a short de- period of time, but he's yeah. definitely got to be in that You can make the argument. Yeah, I mean, he's the longest reigning NXT champion for starters. Undisputed Era are probably the most noteworthy, famous group to ever come from NXT, I would also argue. Of course, he's in that conversation. You stack his matches against anyone else's, 
that nobody is a clear winner ahead of him. Put it that way. Right? I think we, we talk Cole... about match quality. It's him, Gargano. Maybe if you go back to like Joe, Bala, Sami Zayn and some of the stuff they were doing earlier, but I don't yeah. think anyone has been so consistent over such a long period of time. Not on the men's no. side, at least. No, nobody would be like clear of him in that discussion. Nobody. So anyway, that's, you know, that's a very valuable point. Though. <laughs> that, that, that's a full length podcast at some point. <laughs> yeah, it will be. Uh, but, but that's what I'm saying. These two have been in great positions. They've spoke well of WWE were made amazing offers to stay. Vince was even prepared to let Brian go work outside the company in certain instances. Brian revealed after the show on Sunday. I, which I thought and was alas, absolutely fascinating considering a big part of this deal, he says, is going and getting to work in Japan and even Mexico as well. Exactly that. So you, you factor all that in and they still left, Will. This isn't like the case where the others left were either released or they needed to seek something new. These guys saw what's happening in AEW and they wanted to go to it. They see that as the hot hand. This is the best place to work now. In WWE, I think for a long time, and Adam Carr actually said this after All Out, it was his boyhood dream to go work there, right? Like, as it is for many wrestlers. But the landscape of the business now, comparable money in AEW, we've, we've had this conversation a million times. The travel schedule is lighter. They have more creative input. AEW is like the land where people are thriving now. And you look at the talents like, Malachi Black and Miro, for instance. Guys, when they're in WWE, me and you were going, they should be doing so much more with these guys. They, mm-hmm. they have such a higher ceiling. Now they're in AEW and they're absolutely doing it, proving the point that it was always there. Like, and, and WWE are doing the same thing now with guys like Dijak, for instance, Ricochet, guys that we know can do 10 times more than what they're currently doing on the main roster. And one day, somebody else, maybe AEW or elsewhere, will make, the most of them. I just think it's very, very telling that we're at this stage where guys at the top of WWE, it's not just, you know, a Moxley who is burnt out with the whole process. We're talking top stars now who are saying, you know what? I want to make my way over to AEW. It's extraordinary when you actually consider all of the circumstances. So, when well, I'm just trying to think how we want to do this, how we want to look back on this, because we on. could just go uh, on. You know what? Hang on. I, I, yeah, I do have another point that I want to bring up with that actually as well. Okay, I was going to say, so we start breaking down the pay per view, but no, go for it. You go. we will, we will, we will in a second. But you know, another um, uh, pertinent point, and I think you'll be able to have a good influence on this, William. Uh, you know, like when Moxley and Punk left WWE, wasn't it kind of like a God, there's no pleasing these guys. These guys are difficult, right? They want too much almost, particularly with punk, right? It was all like the newsletters about how they couldn't be placated and they're like grumpy troublemakers. And alas, like you look at it now, (laughs) Cole and Brian are literally the complete opposite. They are maybe the nicest guys in the world uh, who, who were very loyal to WWE and have spoken nothing but great things since leaving. And yet... They still left. Like, I, I just feel it says a lot about the place. I think on that point, and there's this kind of, I think that's a, it's a complex thing because, A, you obviously had Adam Cole signing on for the short-term contract. I'd love to at some point find out exactly how that happened, why that happened. Maybe they always had this all-out date in mind. So he thought, well, if I can earn money for doing a couple more months and, you know, you're putting that slight injury risk in, I guess, but you're still not jeopardizing that future i guess there's there's always that argument um uh, 
Adam, for Adam Cole's perspective, there is that thing of we expected that if he got pulled up into Raw and SmackDown, there's a problem potentially with him getting lost in the shuffle because of his size, because he might not be exactly what Vince is looking for in that region. And then it was interesting that Brian did say, I, I love where I used to work. And Adam Cole said, I loved where I used to work, but I was always wanting to come to AEW. Like, neither of them felt like it was like a, they became so frustrated with what was going on right now that they mm. just had to get out of there. Like the others. Yeah, it did feel like they were like, all right, the time's right, let's go for it. Yeah, and again, that speaks to where AEW was and where it is now. Do you know what I mean? That I don't think if this situation manifests a year ago, that the same outcome necessarily happens, right? It's a case of where AW have got to, the buzz, how the company has grown. Uh, and, and I, yeah, I just think it's crazy, really, to think that now WWE's top stars are thinking, you know what? Um, actually, he looks pretty good over in AEW. And like, I, I don't think we could have predicted the moves that AEW have made this year. But I think it's a key to what you just said as well, Adam Cole. We should have always known in a way. Like I think we suspected, right, Britt Baker's there, the elite are there. It made sense, but given his standing in WWE, I guess there was always that part of us that thought, well, you know, there's still a lot of room left for him there. Uh, alas, he's 32 now. He's part of the elite again, back from the dead. Uh, yeah, and I, I just feel like they've got all the momentum, and I'm wishing for WWE, you know, watching Raw last night didn't inspire me too much. I'm wishing for them to kind of, the same way Vince was inspired with the WCW rivalry, but they're in a completely different space now because they don't actually think they're in a rivalry of AEW. They don't actually think that they're the same companies in the same realm, which I believe to be idiotic. But at the same time, you know, WWE think they're a global powerhouse, not just a wrestling company. And there are fans <laughs> and exactly. And there are fans and performers, as Daniel Bryan has quite rightly said, who will gravitate to the latter. So it should be mentioned, I, um, we still got Rich Holland to come on the show. Um, interesting the way in which we, uh, interesting the way in which we, we did this and we, we uh, both watched this show because, um, you know, in classic fashion, Alex McCarthy stayed up, watched the whole thing. So hard. Got the pops live, <laughs> got to watch all five hours, really got to get into it and enjoy it and love it. I um I watched it in a slightly more like I got up the next morning and I knew that because I have to be on social media for work there was no way of me not seeing all of the spoilers so I went and I specifically I started at the beginning and I just tried to fluke my way through by like skipping it half an hour at the time and hope I didn't see the finish of a match sadly I did didn't see the finish but I did see the result of the tag match the cage match although the result didn't really matter there for me. It was all about the process when I finally did watch it. But I skipped through and I watched uh, the Joker in the Women's Battle Royal because I imagined that was going to be probably Ruby Soho after the video she did with, with Rancid last week. Uh, I yeah. skipped through and I watched Punk in full in the morning and I skipped through and I watched the end of the main event into what I thought was going to be one surprise appearance. So I got big pops from it and I did, you know, I thought Adam Cole was going to be the surprise and it was great that they'd managed to keep it quiet while everyone thought it was going to be Daniel Bryan. And when they did the switch and he actually was going to be a member of the elite and then Daniel Bryan came out, that genuinely popped me and that genuinely got me. Um, but I want to know from you, Al, what it was like, both as a fan and as a journalist, to watch the whole thing live, have the full, because I've gone back and watched it all in full 
but it's not the same when you already know what's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. I think AEW have crafted so well over the past couple of years that they keep the surprises and anticipation coming. You didn't even mention Minoru Suzuki. Right, oh, no, no. people. But but I didn't see. The point is, I didn't see Minoru Suzuki oh, until I right, yeah. until I rewatched it. And the thing is, everyone's so focused on Brian and Adam Cole that I didn't know about Minoru Suzuki when that evening I went and did my full rewatch. So actually, it was fine for me. I got to see Minoru Suzuki as the surprise, as an actual surprise. And as you know, putting the glasses on as the new <laughs> Japan nerd. Minoru Suzuki against Moxley in an AEW ring is a very, very, very exciting, physical, brutal matchup that I am absolutely here for. Yeah, I watched their New Japan installment and and loved it. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing what they get. They're doing it this Wednesday. So very much looking forward to that. Again, I wasn't expecting it at all because Satoshi Kojima is like doing his thing and and you think that's the big like Japanese legend. You're like, this is great. You know, Shane, they couldn't get Tanahashi kind of deal. And then Suzuki is back. So, I, I mean, it was just, it, it, I just felt the hits kept on coming. Kingston and Miro was a great way to start, right? Two well-skilled brutes just going at it at a frenetic pace. It was great. You know, it, the, the, the leaning. I got why it didn't make business sense, but there was a little part of me that thought they might start with Punk. And I know it made more sense to do, because I always thought they would do the main event as the title match. And then I think Meltzer leaked it a few hours beforehand. He did, I, yeah. I, I thought maybe, maybe they would start with Punk. But I, do you know what? It was a great opener. Yeah, no, it was. Um, you know, Kingston is ridiculously over. Miro's characters hitting all, all cylinders. Uh, it was a great match. It was really great. Uh, and, and the hits just kept coming, really. It, I, I mean, Moxley, again, was the follower. I mean, Moxley's second out on a show is like, what? <laughs> but he was. Uh, and again, it was another really decent match. Britt Baker's out after that. She's red hot at the moment, walking on water. Chris Statlander, of course, uh, it was unbeaten prior to that. But Britt Baker gets another big victory. But then, Will, where the tide really turned. Now, this is the thing. Like, I think we've, you know, we've been at WrestleManias where we said, wow, like the first half of this show is amazing. Like, if, it's th- if it stays on this pace... It's going to be one of the all-timers, right? We've all had that. We've all had that with many pay-per-views. But this one just never let up, in my opinion. I was, like, so entertained throughout its entirety. And I think the apex of it came bang in the middle with this tag team epic between Young Bucks and Lucha Brothers. I think there is a direct comparison to be drawn between this pay-per-view and SummerSlam because you had... The two big, big returns, you had at least one huge feature match and it was a similar length of time. It was a similar hype. It was, you know, I I think that what they showed here, and we will get onto tag match, is that what you really need to do is not just have those big moments and execute them well, and we don't need to get into how they execute the Becky moment, etc. But not only do you need to do them and execute them well, but the bits in between don't have to be filler. Like there wasn't, um, um, there was, okay, well, maybe Paul White, White. Beauty Marshall, yeah. yeah, fine, fine. But it was like three minutes long or something. So, you know what, if you're going to do it, advance an angle, faff around, fine. To keep it short and keep it light. Um, I, I watched this, that tag match through the lens of trying to imagine what it would have been like if I was there. Because I was trying to figure out, and I know you shouldn't necessarily do this, but I was trying to figure out whether it lived up to the ladder match to me and what they could possibly do beyond what they did that day. And it turns out they can go crazier, and they can go ridiculous. 
yeah, I maybe, you know, I, I maybe, yeah, maybe because somebody didn't nearly kill themselves like they did in the ladder match. But, hmm. you know, I think these guys have had, what, nine matches. I th- I've probably seen five or six of those and not one of them has slipped behind, beyond four and a half stars. Uh, the Young Bucks today changed their Twitter profile to in Spanish. Congratulations, but we are destined to fight forever. And I am here for it, for them fighting off another yeah. 10 times, 15 times in their career in major spots for major titles because they just completely tore the house down. And, and with the Bucks, I've been saying for a while that, you know, I kind of started to feel they were getting a little indie-rific for a while and then they really nailed the characters in the last few months as all the Kenny Omega stuff was happening. And it's all come together beautifully. It was the best the Bucks have been in a while. And, and you know, you look at the Bucks four or five top matches since AEW started. It's as good as any tag team in the history of, of wrestling. I would argue that. I would. I think, I don't know if you saw me tweet this, but I was saying if you actually look at the Young Bucks body of work, very few people could stand in the face of them and say, we're better. It's, even if you just condensed it to their AEW run, they've got like three or four matches that are quite literally unbelievable. Like match of the year candidates. It's, it's insane. I, I enjoy watching them so much. Um, the, the whole, it's so laughable now that people would used to say that, oh my God, they're just like spot monkeys and maybe they've grown and they're better than they were many moons ago when people used to say such a thing. But even in this match with the Lucha brothers and like, you know, the tact shoes, and all of that good stuff. I, I just thought it was excellent, man. And uh, I think the Young Bucks, there was that whole period where they were like, are they face? Are they heel? And they were kind of like dithering. And I'm not sure they even knew. Maybe they were buying time to the next plot point. I don't know. But once they fully committed to it, now I, they are wildly entertaining. The match is a killer. But having said all of that, the Lucha Brothers, I thought, earned this victory, man. Like, And when I say that, I mean in the match, you can feel it when you're watching their effort and you're watching the incredible work unfold before you. And you just think that they, you, they need it. They have to get it. And they did, man. And I, I, again, it's one of them. We might look at it as a match of the year contender when all is said and done, you know, we're in September now. And I think a lot of people are c- considering that in the conversation. And from there, will we went into the women's battle Royale. Now you mentioned this earlier, Ruby Soho is the Joker. She ends up winning at Thunder Rose's expense. The thing I took from this that, you know, maybe not everyone agrees with, a lot of talent AEW have amassed in their women's division. You look at the top six, seven people, they do have the body of a division, I would say. They, they do now. I think like... Yes, now. You know, previously they were relying on the Rios and the, you know, the, the Japanese talent, the Asian talent to, to kind of bolster those ranks. And also, I don't think it was very well handled. I think that was a legitimate gripe early on. I think you've got yeah, an I ab- agree. You have a genuine absolute superstar at the very top. And, you know, I have to hold my hands up and say that I wasn't, I was slow to warm to the Brit Breaker revolution. I was not always, I, I always could see that she had the, a great look and a great attitude, but I never, I was like, I've never seen her have a particularly great match and I'm just not sure about it. And I hadn't seen her indie work. And then the work from the undefeated run up until taking the title and then the hardcore match and then this match this weekend, it's, she is a proper superstar now. Yeah. And there yeah. is enough great talent there that that division can take a real focus in this, in this brand. And, you know, uh, they need to make sure it does get a real focus, but I, I think that there's enough good people there and they're making people. That's, that's kind of the difference, I guess, with, with why earlier I was singling out 
the arrivals in the men's division as much as adding Ruby Soho is a is another WWE person coming over uh, for me that division doesn't have anyone that's going to be suppressed by it in any way no no it, it, it just adds to the to the flavor right now and there's enough good talent to keep it really top end so that's why I didn't really mention it earlier I I I'm excited to see where it goes from here and I'm excited to see what she can deliver when given proper time to actually yeah. wrestle with talented people and a well-booked finish and all of those things that we don't necessarily get regularly from the WWE women's division outside of the title picture. Yeah. I mean, I- I'm not supremely versed and highly Lovelace and like her work prior to WWE, but she obviously commands a-, a serious respect from her peers around the business and, and people that have seen her, but even I could tell from her snippets in WWE that she was obviously a talented in-ring worker um, and really, deserved more time than she actually got so uh, yeah with the chains let loose i look at ty conti and i think she's an excellent part of that division who was literally spinning her wheels in nxt so imagine what somebody like you know diona perrozzo being the even more evident example of that in impact right now but you look at what ruby can bring to the table and you've got Jade Cargill, who's like the rising lesnar and you've got nyla rose who's like the big heel and uh, Shida and uh, Rio, as you mentioned, being like the Japanese exports, and then Britt Bacon, you've got Chris Statlander, and even Penelope Ford, I think, has been showing out recently. Thunder Rosa, of course, as well, the huge acquisition from NWA. I feel like finally they're in the right places now where they're not going to have the excuse, right? Like, oh, you know, we're building or we've had injuries, or, you know, and I, and I do get the travel restrictions during the pandemic. But AEW are entering the territory where it's like, you have it now, so show us. And Britt Baker being at the front of that, I think, is the strongest foot they could possibly put forward. Uh, next, Will. I feel like I'm taking it. I accidentally you, No, no, no. You, you go. You um, go, brother. <laughs> it's Chris Jericho. And did you ever think he was going to retire, Will? No. I, I even thought if they did something here where he did lose, that they would still find a way to... They would still find some kind of way to to uh, sell it that that was not the way it was going to like like they would make it so that it was you know a screwy finish and therefore he would find a way to get weasel his way out of it. I know he's I know he's less been portrayed as the heel with MJF and that it's been a bit heel on heel, but he's been tried to they've they've gone a little bit face with this run you know with him having to go through the trials and getting really over with the crowd and Judas being sung and everything else that goes along with that. But yeah, I never, I never bought into the, I have to say, so I, I will say this now and I'll, I'll say this a little bit about Punk, although we'll get to that in a moment. The story here was great. The match didn't quite get to the level I thought these two could deliver. And I still think there's something more on the table for MJF and Jericho. I'm not sure it's now, but I still think that there is a, a better singles match between these two that's maybe less faffy and more just the two of them telling a story. I think that the way that this has been built to, it was a right payoff for it, but it was one of the only matches of the night I was left a little bit like, well, that didn't quite get where I wanted it to. Didn't quite reach that level. Yeah, I know know exactly what you mean. And I think it was hard because we've seen it a lot. We've seen them face just recently. So it's very hard to go, okay, you're going to give us something fresh, you're going to give us something new in just a straight up singles, really? Like it's, it's a difficult task. And I think... For Jericho, where he is at in his career. 
I, I'm not. I'm not like against him be winning the last. I guess MJF's the heel. You know, you t- nine times out of ten they lose the feud, right? But really, he wins because he's got a three to one record over Jericho, so he's got more of the rub out of this feud. I just thought it was a little backwards the way they went about it, where Jericho is actually coming out the victor. Um, and I know that you know MJF's kind of been protected in the loss, and he was with the loss to Moxley as well. I don't know. It just felt a bit weird to me. The kind of like, you know, it should have been maybe a real arrival for MJF, whereas it's just been more of a little rub. Yeah. I, the th- keeping him in a top tier feud for like five plus months uh, at the very top of the company and having him on TV every week, all of that is great. Uh, you do think that there needs to be something for MJF now that does really put him over the top rather than, you know, inevitably, eventually he did lose. I did love the, um, uh, the false finish with the uh, foot on, on the, the rope. rope after the yeah. uh, after the MGF Judas effect. That was fantastic. Um, and I'd like, I don't want to say it was a bad match. I just felt like, you know, I, I don't know. I'm still waiting for the great MJF singles match, I think, because I know that he's got it in, in him. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, with CM Punk, I think that the reason I, met, I said that I, I made the comparison. So next up, CM Punk and Darby Allin. And... You know, the, it's clobbering time coming back. The reaction of the crowd, the heat, it had that big fight feel. It's very clear that CM Punk, whilst fit and healthy and in good shape, is not, you know, he's not the guy who can put on five-star matches with Samoa Joe or John Cena or, you know, those absolute classics. Yet is what I hope. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. yeah I, I, it's, it's, it's a ring rust thing. It's a being in front of a crowd for the first time thing. It's a, I thought it was a really well-structured, put-together match that didn't force CM Punk to do anything, like to go completely balls out, that didn't force him to be, you know, off his feet constantly and, you know, let, had a lot of, you know, rest holds and locks. And I still thought they told a good story. It still had some really good spots. You know, eventually having the... Uh, having him hit the GTS and, and Darby fall out of the ring and all that stuff, it, it allowed Darby to do the real heavy lifting. And Darby's probably the right person for that situation. And I enjoyed it and I enjoyed the occasion. I just think there was some, I did see a little bit of negativity on social media about it being like, oh, Punk's back, but it wasn't that great a match, was it? I'm like, come on. The, <laughs> the occasion and the event is what we're here for today. If you're wanting the 60-minute iron match Samoa Joe in Ring of Honor, you're not going to get that from a guy well into his 40s who's wrestling for the first time in seven years. I'm hoping yeah, that will you know, Yeah, again, 42, seven and a half years since his last match, which was, which was a rumble. I mean, it's, it's difficult. I, I, I tapered my expectations, and I felt like for what I had set myself up for, I was happy. You know what I mean? I got yeah. what I wanted out of it. CM Punk was back. We got the greatest hits and all of that good stuff. Um, Darby bounced around like a maniac. There was some good stuff in there. I enjoyed it. I think, um, you know, the closing stretch was the best part of it. The opening sequence of the match. Uh, so like, there were some highs where Darby's in the corner waiting for him and CM Punk just sits before the bell even goes. And the crowd like, ah. And you think when the crowd are into it, like as they were, I just felt like the opening sort of five, seven minutes, I had a lot of rest holds. I understand the whole feeling out process that they were trying to portray and the commentary selling like, you know, CM Punk finding his feet and all that good stuff. But, you know, it takes a bit of the uh, out of the original energy that the room had. Uh, but I felt like they recaptured it by the end. You know, the whole Darby Allen trying to wriggle out the GTS sequences and then Punk finally getting him. And yeah, I, I think job done coming back right like i'm still very intrigued to see 
the real CM Punk, the guy who's going to eat people on the microphone, right? The guy who's going to go for people and work a feud because this really is just a welcome back. So now we're off to the races. He's had his settling in period per se. Let's see where CM Punk goes from here. I do want to quickly touch on what you said earlier, the WCW reference, because of course that is CM Punk's uh, line. I don't think it's anything like it in the sense, uh, if we're not going to make the comparison, you get a lot of people saying, oh, uh, AEW is like WCW. You know, they're just recruiting all of WWE's top stars now. And, you know, it's not the same. When people joined WCW, it was clearly for the money, right? That was the main motivator. Guaranteed contracts. Yes, there were less dates, but guaranteed money, something that the business, business did not have then. Clearly, for at least Cole and Punk, uh, Cole and Brian, and probably Punk, creatively, the product and the company are why people are attracted to AEW. I'm not saying that Tony Khan isn't paying them well. I'm sure that he is, but WWE could pay them better. This is not a same situation where WCW is saying, you know what, we're going to throw big bucks, we're going to take your stars, and we're going to contend. It's very different. The motivators were money for WCW, but it is, thus far, the work and the brand, the AEW, are why people want to go and work there. All very well said, sir. All very well said. We will gloss over Paul White and QT Marshall. It was exactly what oh, it should have been. Why? There's, why uh, will? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've got to go and do, you know, a YouTube show and another article. Well, the hardest working man in sports entertainment. Um, <laughs> so we are going to, you know, it was the quick go and grab a beer before the main event. Um, yes. And then the main event came. Kenny Omega, Christian Cage for the AEW world title. Um there were, I mean, again, similarly, some fantastic spots towards it. I, I have to say, like, I thought, again, this was a really well laid out match. I loved how much Christian can clearly still go with a guy like Omega. And I, I feel like we spend a huge amount of our lives, both on the show and everywhere else, like praising Kenny Omega. And I've been really thinking about this recently a lot. That I think that I was trying to sell somebody watching AEW for stuff other than punk to them. And they, they even asked, and they actually asked, who's the champion? And I said, look, if you give him a chance, he can go like any wrestler I can ever think of. And I'm talking, you know, this guy is Ricky Steamboat. This guy is Bret Hart. This guy is like, he can do all of those things. And he's got the charisma of maybe not The Rock, but like a very top tier superstar. I thought he absolutely has been superb in this role he's playing. And I think that the way him and Christian Mesh is brilliant. It was maybe a little similar to the Impact World Championship match other than the finish to give me... I, I was expecting something a bit different and a bit new out of it, and it maybe didn't quite get to that point. But, you know, it was a brilliant main event that delivered a great match for us, a really good, fun finish, and ultimately set up what everyone was there for, which was the big reveals at the end. Yeah, I th- do you know what? I think you said it perfectly. Um, the match they had on Rampage was really good. And I've, I've always been a huge proponent, as you'll know, of the first time people touch. You know what I mean? That, that big feud that finally get the match, the payoff, I'm all for that. I, I'm not really, not that it can't be done well, but I'm not huge on like the series 
of matches. I think normally the first time they touch is the most electric. And I think this was the case again here because the first time they did touch on Rampage was so good with such a great finish that shocked many people. It was always going to be hard for this to live up to it. But really what we do know is this main event was more of like the entree, right? It was the starter for what was to really come. And the reveals after the match and how both of those influenced Kenny in his position as champion was really what the whole finishing arc of the pay-per-view was about. And that's why the pay-per-view was so great in many ways. It wasn't just a card of matches. Like the, the end of that pay-per-view is as memorable as anything you'll be able to think about, right? Almost as memorable as Austin and McMahon handshake, right? WrestleMania 17. It's in that realm. I can't I, think of many that have ended on a moment. I, I think what was kind of great about it for me as well is that while Christian, they, while they sold it well because he already beat him for the Impact title, it was another one of those occasions where there wasn't any real drama on this because we never thought they were going to take the AEW title off of Kenny. I never, there was never one of those near falls where I really went, like genuinely got bought into it. Yeah. But, but that's because Christian it was a perfect placeholder person until we got a major, major figure coming in to challenge Kenny and I I legitimately bought into it someone who watches you know uh, being the elite as someone who followed the Bullet Club in Japan as someone who followed the acrimonious in kayfabe terms breaking up of Adam Cole and the turn and everything else I really really thought when Adam Cole came out that he was out there to challenge Kenny Omega and that there was going to be a brawl and that Jurassic Express was going to get involved again. And we were going to see a Panama sunrise or something, you know, spectacular to finish off the show. And I was, I really, really as a fan bought into that moment. So much so that when they did the rope a dope and then he got the kisses from each of them on the face and he, and he spoke down the camera and was like, how stupid are you? You thought like these guys are like, all of that really made me pop on its own. And then, they clearly couldn't use the WWE version, but Ride of the Valkyries is a, you know... A oh, banger! Uh, it's, well, because it's a piece of classical music, it doesn't have the rights attached to it. WWE can't own it, and so therefore, they've done this remixed version. The most important thing is that you come in with those vibrato strings. And when that hit, I was yes. out at 6.30 in the morning. I was out of my chair, running around my living room, screaming <laughs> like a child. I just was... Ah, uh, like we can overanalyze it as much as we want and where they're going to go and who he's going to challenge and what's going to happen in Japan and everything else. But in the moment I became a 12 year old boy watching wrestling again, and that's the, the best thing it can do for you. It's the best thing. It's absolutely the best thing. Unless we forget, we'd already seen Sween. We'd already Sween. saw. <laughs> yeah. Sween. We'd already saw a great Panama sunrise. A Pittsburgh sunrise, yeah. apparently. Yeah, I love that as well. <laughs> that, that, uh, also, that was, that, I think if I'd watched that live, that would have made me go, oh, out of oh, I was, then. I was like, I was like, ah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm really loving the way Daniel Bryan says he's going to kick people's effing heads in now. <laughs> like, he's just completely flipped and gone, you know what? I'm just here to beat the crap out of people. I yeah. love this Daniel, this Brian Danielson, sorry, that we're going to get an AEW, man. I'm, I am all here for it such to me the quality of matches the narratives coming out of it the memorable moments i I just think it's a home run all out is a complete home run love it absolutely love it so we hear from ridge yeah yeah. let's turn our attention and there's a lot to break down with what's happening in wwe right now and at some point we will get to all of that i do promise you that that will happen i promise i promise i promise but we need to 
turn our attention to, to NXT and, and Ridge Holland right now, who has had a nice little return, liking what's going on right now. So let's, uh, let's get into a little bit of, uh, of Ridge Holland. When did you speak to him? Monday. Monday, Monday, Monday. <laughs> uh, and uh, he's been chatting to our very own Alex McCarthy. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ridge, Luke, how are you, my man? Hi, mate. Good to see you again. How are you? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. Good to see you again on my TV screen, nonetheless. Uh, yeah. Uh, no headbutts. No, no headbutts this time, this, this interview, mate. So we're all good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Thank you so much for coming back on Talk Wrestling. Ridge Holland here who has been making waves once again on NXT TV, and it's been a delightful sight, I'm sure, for all concerned after what went down last October with that horror injury, man. Let's let's start right there, because I remember talking to you on the road to rehab, and you seemed uh-huh. like you had your head down, you were working hard, and boy, must you have to be back this quick. Um, but just how difficult, you know, I know this is like a simple question on the surface, but some people probably don't understand just how much work goes in every day to making sure you get back to where you need to be yeah it's a grind you know every day you uh you wake up you, you go to the pc you check in with the medical staff and and they set you to work you know at first it's it's uh it's slowly slowly catching monkey you know but then as, as you start recovering and things start healing slightly they kick it up into high gear and you're in there and you're working day after day and it's uh it's, it's a tough slog and you know the the trainers there, I credit them, you know, t- taking myself out of the equation, I credit them 100% for, uh, for, for for the time scale that I came back in. It's, you know, they, uh, they helped me tre- tremendously. How was your um, 
like mental side during all of this? Because I'm, I'm, uh, I might be wrong, but you didn't come home, did you? No, no, I stayed. I stayed in. Uh, I stayed in the good old US of A. Because uh, I wanted to. If I did come home, that would kind of put a little bit of a uh, a, a reverse or a re- rewind button on my on my recovery. Yeah. So I just wanted to make sure that I was in the right place where I could actually throw myself in 100 percent to the to the rehab um, mentally. You have some you have some wobbles as, as you do, you know, because you see all, all your all your peers, you know, going out and doing what they love, and just the simple things like going for a walk, you know, you can't, you can't do, you know, so you tend to, tend to go a little bit uh, stir crazy, but everyone was cool, people were checking in, you know, coaches, producers medical staff, they all check in and you give your phone calls, FaceTimes, and uh, uh, that really helped. So, uh, uh, yeah, there were some so, were some wobbles, but, uh, hey, come on, you, you expect them to be wobbles when, when something like that, like that happens, but it's how you uh, it's how you push past and, uh, and overcome, you know. You certainly do, mate. And, and again, like the other thing with, you know, I know Bailey was talking about this recently, a wrestler is so used to being go, 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 and then all of a sudden you have a lot of time to kind of sit around and be at home. What did you do when you were sitting around at home? Were you like, I don't know, watching the World Cup? Were you, um, I don't know, getting into TV series? Or was you like, you know, old wrestling matches? What was the kind of stuff that was keeping you going? Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of, I, I had a lot of time to, in the day, to speak to, you know, friends back in England and things like that. So I was keeping, kind of catching up with those as well. Um, watching tape. You know, watching all wrestling, even working on promos. I was doing acting classes, you know, virtually, um, which was made possible by WWE. You know, we have a an acting coach called uh, Marissa Preston. Uh, she was really good for character development and things of that nature. Um, yeah, I managed to keep myself busy, um, just because if not, <laughs> it just gets harder. So you just got to try and find, even if it's just something for half an hour, just to tick off. Um, and then I was doing, um, you know, the, before I could get back into the PC, there was someone from the hospital coming around to do physical therapy. Uh, so I was doing that twice a day as well. So before you know it, the day is done. So it wasn't too bad, to be honest. Uh, and well, now that you are back, mate, it's uh, what I like to call the English boys and only. Uh, it seems the, the stable that we all dreamed of, uh, the English fans anyway, in the UK. Well, it seems like that was kind of, and I've said this to you before, right? Like you were maybe heading in that direction anyway with Pete and the gang before you got injured. So did it just kind of make sense to pick it back up, right? And and for you, that's a comfortable thing as well. Yeah, I mean, you've got Pete there who's, you know, arguably one of the best in the world at what he does. He um, so for me to align myself with Pete, it gives an opportunity to, you know, pick his brain and learn. Um, and then... Uh, you throw Oni and Danny in there, you know, two guys that are of the same mindset. We just want to get out there and get physical. Um, and Oni's, we, we can say Oni's English now. He's kind of been indoctrinated, you know, so he's a, he's like an honor, honorary Brit. I don't know if he's uh, British enough to be caught, to be a Yorkshireman yet. He's going to have to work a bit harder for that, but um, he's in there. Um, just to start. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah he's, he's with, he's with uh, Danny. But uh, it's, it's uh, yeah, it does seem like a natural fit, um, kind of uh, just character-wise and uh, yeah, mo- motivation-wise and, and things like that. It's just uh, four blokes that 
want to have a good old scrap, you know, it's, it, it fits. It really does fit. I didn't think about this till now. Were you and Danny rehabbing together, I guess? Yeah, we were. Uh, I think he was towards, the, uh, I was towards the tail end of mine, or kind of getting there, when uh, Danny unfortunately got hurt. But yeah, we, we were, uh, yeah, we were in this, each side of each other on the, on the physio tables, trading old war stories, you know. <laughs> so, uh, kind of like that scene where there's, you know, sliced alone and Arnold Schwarzenegger a little laid, little laid in the beds, you know, in the hospital. Yeah. And expendable. So, uh, yeah. Have you found it back in the ring since you've been back, man? Because uh, the matches have been cool with, you know, Thatcher and Champer. You know, again, guys that it's really awesome to see you work with. Um, seems like you're right back in the thick of it. Yeah, it feels good. I mean, at first, things were a bit kind of rusty and there's some mental barriers that you need to overcome um, but it's kind of sink or swim you know I mean, I'm in there with you know what you probably call the big fish you know you've got uh, Thatcher and Champa um, so in there and you just got to give them hell you know fly by seat of your pants and it's uh, kind of like a baptism by fire but I'm, I'm enjoying it and I'm enjoying getting in there with those guys and being physical so it's it's a good learning curve Speaking of physical, I remember you in uh, the NXT UK days. I know you was in there with Volta um, at one point as well. Like, um, talk to me a little bit about those days and the grounding. And, and I guess, like, how quickly was it made aware to you that, you know, you weren't going to be spending a lot of time on the UK brand, that they were going to take you over to America? Was that surprising to you? How did that work? Um, well, with me being based in, in, you know, over here in the US, I kind of almost had an inkling that I would find myself on 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 the the original NXT brand, um, and I think NXT UK was a was a just a great opportunity for me to to learn uh, the you know the the the, the TV structure, um, and just you know you're there with Sean with Sean Michaels, you know there's some great coaches over there, so it's just it's just a, a matter of a learning curve before you go, you know, a kind of a not as a stepping stone because I don't want to uh, talk down about NXT UK because it's a fantastic product. Um, but I think it was there just to get me some reps, some reps really. And obviously I was working with great guys. Um, you know, I had an opportunity to work with Walter, which I'd love to do again, you know, without a doubt. I think that I've, I've improved and, and uh, I owe him one. So uh, I'd love to do that again. I own one, you do. I own one, you do. I've always wondered this as well with you, and it might just be a simple case. Like, you know, you get um, work wrestlers when they come to WWE, and they don't use them. They get renamed because of like, you know, so WWE can license and whatever mm-hmm. do whatever they do with the names copyright. You did start as Luke Menzies though, right? Like that is how I first saw you. So when was the decision to go? Actually, maybe we don't want to use that name. Let's go Ridge Holland. Like you said, I think it's just a, a licensing thing and. Uh, WWE want to create their own stars and and uh, yeah I did start out as you know my original name just working the the, the kind of what we call the coconut shows in in uh, mm. in Florida and then a couple of uh, appearances on NXTV yeah, I think against, I saw you in I think I saw you in Blackpool as as that after one of the yeah that was right yeah correct yeah, yeah that was before so there's a whole process of like character development and, and, and submitting names and things like that and what might work. Um, and that was before all that. We were kind of, I was just trying to find my feet as of who I, who I really was and uh, as, a, as an entertainer. So, uh, 
yeah, it's just a process. Like, and it took it took a couple of years to to find that out and hash that out. But um, with John's the name, and uh, there we are. Uh, I need to ask you as well, man. Uh, it was reported, and we you know we saw that you did some dark stuff on SmackDown with uh, Austin Theory. Um, you know, getting up there and. In front of the boss himself, right? Um, getting yourself in action. What was it like? I presume meeting him before or after the match, and you know, um, fighting on that stage. Because you know, as you and I both know, with how wrestling goes, it's WWE main roster. It's the biggest stages they have in terms of weekly TV. Um, you know, what kind of messages did you get from the uh, the big guys about that? Um, without without going into too much detail, everything was positive. Um, they tend to do things a little bit differently um, up there or they're trying to, you know, make everything that we do uh, like they do up there. Um, yeah. But no, everything was great. It, being out there in front of, you know, a large, or a large group of, of fans was was definitely enjoyable. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and being out there with, uh, with Austin, who's, who's a very talented individual in himself, so... Uh, it was it was a great experience, you know, and and uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll see where it goes. But everything was positive, and I enjoyed my time up there. Um, I can't give any information about what's going to happen because I just don't know. <laughs> but um, it was it was very positive, very positive. Was that your first time meeting a lot of those guys, like be it Vince or Bruce or anyone like that? Um, I'd, I'd kind of had fleeting meetings with, with those guys before, but it was the yeah, it was probably the first proper time where they'd probably seen me. Uh, do my thing, you know, and yeah, it was, like I say, it was a, it was a good experience, a good learning curve uh, and I'll take some some things away from it and concentrate on the task in hand, which is uh, uh, NXT, you know. Absolutely, and, you know, not only are we talking about the, uh, the, the faction that you're in, which I think is so entertaining, but man, Samoa Joe is the champion now. Um, mm-hmm. I look at you and Samoa Joe and I think, man, that's a fresh exciting match up down the line. Now, I know Pete is angling for that match, so we're not going to tread on Pete's toes. But still, like, no. that, that's exciting to think about. Yeah, and you talk about um, people who you want to challenge yourself against and, and, and you know, bring bring your, 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 your game up and kind of level up against. And right now, Samoa Joe's that guy, you know, he's, he's the champion. And uh, it's not just me, but there's a few people that are probably salivating at the prospect of, of getting in the ring with him. Um, but yeah, he's got a big, he's got, a, he's got a hell of a target on his back uh, and his front. <laughs> so uh, um, it'll be interesting to see how, how things unfold uh, going forward. Uh, speaking of that, as we, as we wrap up down here, um, the new logo for NXT, we've seen Nick Khan talk about, there's going to be some changes for the brand and, uh, you know, even Samoa Joe, I was speaking to him the other week and he was saying, you know, bigger guys or what WWE is looking for and stuff like that. Um, what's it been like, man? Because the last takeover, I felt like not was knocked out of the park around SummerSlam weekend. Um, Triple H and the gang, they, they seem firmly in control to me. Yeah. Um, it's exciting times, regardless of what you might hear. It's throughout, you look back in, you know, history over the, over the past few decades and stuff, whether it's been Raw or SmackDown, every so often they go through a revamp. You know whether it's the set, you know the you know the structure, this and that. And NXT is no different. Um, it's exciting. Uh, there's nothing negative about it. Uh, everyone really that I know that I speak to is chomping at the bit, and I don't really know 
the ins and outs of, of, of what's coming. I've I've not seen anything regarding the set or anything like that, but um the logo's the logo's cool, it's different. Um and I'm just excited to to go to work and see and see how it uh, how it all unfolds. Well I'm excited, man, and I can't wait to see uh, as I say, the three British boys and the inducted uh fourth yeah. only. Uh, I can't wait to see what you guys are gonna get up to, man, in the coming weeks on NXT. Rich Holland, thank you so much for joining Talksport once again. Thanks, Alex. Been a pleasure, man. Lovely stuff. Rich Holland speaking with our very own Alex McCarthy. We've been breaking down AW All Out. Of course, Full Gear will be coming in November. Lots of WWE and NXT stuff coming up. NXT UK as well. You know, we'll keep across what's happening in New Japan and GCW and everywhere else. So keep locked to the show. Keep on talksport.com forward slash wrestling as well. Alex is the one to follow on Twitter. I tweet about wrestling when I get excited as a fan, but not a huge amount outside of that. So check him out there. Uh, You've been listening to Talk wrestling. Any final messages, Al? No, I'm just very excited uh, about the things that are coming up. Hopefully some good interviews in the can. The O2 show is like 10 days away. Whoa. Yeah. Seriously? It's not next Raw. It's the one after. They're going to be over here. Uh, sorry, I say Raw because it's a Monday. It's going to be SmackDown. But yes, Becky Lynch in the house. Uh, there's going to be some... I mean, Roman Reigns is not coming over. But... Alas, we do have Seth Rollins and Finn Balor facing off, apparently. It's going to be a good time. I'm really excited to get back to live shows. If you guys see the Talk Wrestling gang in the O2, shout us out. I can't wait to be out there with fans again and throwing out token woos in the O2. Mm-hmm. Uh, great stuff. So keep wrestling, re- keep wrestling, keep reviewing, keep giving us love, keep going on social media, keep checking out Alex's fine work. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Talk Wrestling Podcast on your Fight Night feed. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm-hmm. 